Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tucson, Arizona. Embarrassed ASU 105 to 60. U of A wins by 45. Ballo had 15 points and 11 rebounds. 21% better shooting. 18 better rebounds. Seven fewer turnovers. Tommy Lloyd, what does it mean when you guys share the ball? I just really encourage our guys to maybe turn down some hard plays and see if we could find some easier plays and play with their feet on the ground. And, and, and it wasn't much more complicated than that. I thought they did a great job with it. And, and I think that makes us pretty effective. Looking at it from their point of view, they're now home against Washington State. Who would have thought it? The Cougars are in second place. Tip off Thursday night. Looking at the game from an ASU standpoint, it couldn't get any worse. They had a 20-15 lead. That means from that point forward, they lost by 50, 90-40 the rest of the way. ASU takes their tail between their legs back to Tempe, where they take on UW Thursday night. GCU won again. They beat California Baptist 79-76. Improved to 24-2 on the season. Seven-game winning streak. Grant Foster had 19 points and six rebounds. Free throw-wise, that was the difference. 17-25 for GCU and only 9-11 of 11 for CBU. Lopes are now on the road. They take on Tarleton State Thursday night. The losing continues. Lost 5-1 at home on Friday to Carolina. Vimelka was pulled in that game. Then lost 4-3 at Colorado last night. The losing streak improves to nine games, if there's a way to improve that. They're ten points back in the playoffs with five teams that they need to leapfrog. But Andre Turney is still okay. When you're in that kind of, you know, point finger and you did in, in, in both ways, I think we're all in it together. I think the boys, I'm really proud of the way we fought, and the way we battled, the way we stepped back. Now, I'm glad he's proud of the nine-game losing streak. Three games in four days. They fly back from Colorado last night and get ready for this afternoon. They take on Edmonton, who's 15 points better than the Yotes, in Tempe at 2 o'clock. All-Star game. East won 211 to 186, becoming the first team to ever have 200 points scored in a game. Carl Anthony Towns had 50 points in the loss. Lillard was the MVP, and U of A's Ben Matherin won the Rising Stars MVP, representing the Pacers. D-backs. First full squad workout is today, and over the weekend they signed Randall Gritchick, one year, $2 million contract to be a fill-in DH and the fourth outfielder. And finally, meet Peter Von Tangenbuskoff. He scored a Guinness Book of World Records by achieving something no one's ever done. He was able to stick 68 new matches into his nose. The old record was 45 matches. After he shoved 45 matches into his nose, he knew he had more in him and shoved in another 23, crushing the Guinness Book of World Records. Peter said, I was looking through trying to find something I could do. I've never tried to stick things in my nose, but I knew I had big nostrils. 
Congratulations, Peter! Unplugged Army? Attention! All right, admittedly, that might be a little bit over the top, but I'm jacked up for our next sanctioned event at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be there on February 23rd. It's a Friday. Noon is the official time for our first set of tee times. We've got the whole course from noon until 1.30. You got to go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. Click on the events tab. Normally playing golf in February at Whirlwind is $260. But thanks to Sweet Lou, we get the course for $109 plus tax. It is a tremendous savings, and it's only available to those of us in the Unplugged Army. If you're not able to make it, I'm going to be eating kind of a late breakfast there around 1030. So I'd love for you to stop by Civilic, represent, or maybe get a beer with me right after the event is over. I'd love to see you Friday, February 23rd at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. It is, it's just, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to phrase it. When you already think you look like an idiot, and for some reason, the modern style says that's a good thing, which I absolutely don't understand. And then your wife is laughing at you. That's even weirder. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Happy President's Day. If you are into celebrating President's Day, I am one that uh, I love George Washington. Abraham Lincoln is probably my favorite president. And uh, we we honor their birthdays today by having President's Day. But at the same time, I'm thrilled to death my wife's home from work. But sports happens. So I come into work. Because sports happens. Now, I admit, uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day, 4th of July, Christmas and Thanksgiving, both days of Thanksgiving, Thursday and Friday, and Christmas, no way. Don't ask. No way am I, am I working. Uh, however, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, President's Day, Martin Luther King Day, I don't look at any of those as minor holidays, but at the same time, I'm one that comes in. I, I always want to give a, a special. A special shout out to whatever day of those days are. If you celebrate something, more power to you. But thanks for paying attention to us and watching us live right now on WTSMTV.com. Or if you're listening to us here on the podcast on Doug Franz Unplugged, where you can get an Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or, uh, or tune in. Thanks. 
But because I, I look at it as, hey, sports happened, so therefore we're here for you. Got a lot to do today. But before we get rolling, I, I got to explain something to you on the weekend. And I, I don't consider this vulgar. You might consider it vulgar. So I'll, I'll warn you up front. But I, I don't consider it vulgar. I don't understand something at all. There's, there's style and fashion trends, and this is going to come as a shock to you. I... I don't know if I don't have any fashion sense or if I just don't care about fashion sense. But for some reason, and Izzy, go ahead and jump in if you want to defend the honor of your entire generation. But for some reason, both young men and young women in their 20s are fascinated with male genitalia being exposed in whatever clothing you wear. Now, you might say that's not true. No, I don't understand why pants of today are styled to be as tight as they can possibly be in front of your crotch for everyone to say, oh, there is your manly bulge. So this weekend, we went suit shopping. Uh, I'm basically going to lose money doing Rattlers games this year because it's in the, I'm sure I'm not supposed to say this, but it's, hey, it's unplugged. It's in the contract that I have to wear a suit. I think somebody wrote it in there knowing how bad I hate sport coats. Now, for some of you, sport coats are nothing. It's like, hey, just throw on a sport coat and suddenly you're dressed up. I'm the exact opposite. I can wear a tie without thinking about it. I had to wear a tie every day to work in Alabama for five years. I just got used to it. And now I don't even think about it when I put on a tie. A lot of you like, oh, no, something's around my neck. I get so hot in a sport coat. I hate wearing a sport coat. So I would rather go tie, no coat. And I know a lot of you are all over coat, no tie. But for me, now that it's written in the contract, suck it up. Got to get some suits. I have basically one suit that doesn't fit and one suit that's about, I would say about 24 years old. <laughs> that's it. That, those are my suits. So we went out and we went suit shopping yesterday. And uh, and Saturday, so we did we did it both days. Got a couple suits on Saturday. Got one suit on on Sunday. So we go a- after mass yesterday. It's my oldest and my wife, and we ba- it was my first time in the mall. This is kind of funny. We went to Arrowhead Mall. It was my first time in a mall. I I didn't think I had ever been in there, and then I realized I had when I walked by Build a Bear. And I remember my oldest, who's 24 now, I remember she had a seven or eight year birthday party at the Build-A-Bear workshop there. So when I walked by, I said, oh yeah, I have been here because I've been in there. And I remembered going there. So I think it was for her seventh birthday party, might've been her eighth birthday. So therefore it's been, I would legitimately say 16, 17 years since I have been inside a mall. It was the first time in forever. So we go in and we we go to a couple places and they don't really have what we were looking for. And then we go to some, I, I forget the guy, I forget the place's name, but we went into some place that wasn't a name that I had ever heard of before. And we walk in and it's one of those like high end, we're going to do everything for you where the guy basically like almost dresses you. And I had to say, okay, I'm, I realize that's the way you're trained. I don't want anybody this close. It's okay. And he goes, okay, sir, but we want to take, we want to give you the experience. I don't I said, no, 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 I get it. You're fine. You're fine. And if the manager gets on you, tell, tell him the customer's always right. And the customer didn't want to be dressed by me. I, I, 
and, I, and we'll be okay. We'll be okay. So I try on a suit, and as soon as I get the pants on, I think, this is ridiculous. Like, why is this considered stylish to make it look like I've got a rock in my shorts? I think this is dumb. So then what happens? I come walking out to show my wife and daughter and the guy named Aaron uh, the suit on me. And immediately, Jennifer starts laughing. And then my oldest daughter starts laughing when Jennifer is laughing. So now, both of the women, two of the three women that are the most important women in my life, are now laughing at me. So I am like unbelievably self-conscious. And I'm just standing there in a full suit feeling like the biggest doofus ever. And I just, for the life of me, you cannot get me to understand why this is considered normal for people. I'm waiting for you to try to justify this, Izzy, in any way. But... I, I'm right with you, to be honest. Okay. I'm, not a, I'm not a skinny jeans fan at all. Good. Okay, good, good. These are skinny suit pants, and I just think look ridiculous. Especially on a guy. For those of you that have never, like, I, I would understand why you've never checked me out. For, if you've never looked at me, I'm proportionally, I am all screwed up. I am the shortest male in my family. The average male in my family is 6'4". Most of them are 6'5 or 6'6". And I am only 6'1". What's strange about it is I basically have the torso of a guy that's about 6'4", 6'5", and I have the legs of someone who's 5'10". I have no idea why I didn't get the legs I was supposed to. So I'm very strangely proportional, which makes pants shopping just miserable because I have two monster thighs. I have one big calf, one small calf after having bone spur surgery. And then I'm a fat guy now. So you got to put all of that together and then into skinny jeans that is just, it's just ridiculous. So now those two are laughing at me and I said to the guy, I said, this looks ridiculous. And he goes, I don't know why they're acting like you dog guys. And he starts going in. I think he's going into sales mode. And then I say, this is ridiculous. My package just hangs out in these things. So now the poor guy's embarrassed beyond belief, but I'm, I'm not going to hide the way I feel about it. And now Jennifer and uh, Vienna and the, the Aaron guy are all looking at my junk and we're all staring at and I'm staring at it in the mirror. So four people are looking at it, trying to decide if I look ridiculous. And I say I do. And then Jennifer gets a little embarrassed and Jennifer says, that's not why we're laughing. And I go, I don't like that you're laughing. She goes, that's not why we're laughing. And, and then I'm arguing with my wife over why she's laughing. And please understand what it's like to be an unattractive man as you walk out of a dressing room and your wife immediately starts laughing at you. Okay. It can't be good. And then supposedly she says, I don't know if she's saving herself. She supposedly says to my oldest what made them laugh. She said, I am not used to daddy looking stylish. And then that took her like a second to actually have me dressed up in in something that's in style. And then Vienna started laughing a little bit. And then Jennifer supposedly said, daddy looks hot, which is obviously 
shows you what a putz I normally dress like to actually get that compliment. And of course, your wife loves you and makes stuff up. So you get the point. So she's saying that that made Vienna laugh very hard. Jennifer was getting flush and embarrassed that she thought I looked good. And I don't know any of this. And I still think I looked stupid. So there's my suit story for the weekend. And not only that, but the amount of money we spent on three suits. Holy crap. Like, why? I kept arguing with my wife. Well, it's hard to find stuff that looks good. It's hard to find this. It's hard to find. And, and she goes, we finally found something. We should just spend the money. No, we shouldn't spend the money. Let's just figure out like a ugly blazer and I'll just wear regular pants and be done with it. No, no, we got to get. So anyway, normally I would tell you to make to help me out by buying beer for me coming up on Friday. The problem is. Jennifer is not coming Friday and McKenna is not coming Friday and therefore I'm driving myself home. So then when you're driving yourself home, I'm on a one beer an hour restriction and that just stinks. So I can't say, hey, buy me a beer because even though I would love for you to buy me a beer on Friday, then I'm not counting what I'm drinking and that would be a mess. So we, we can't do that. But oh, that's the only way to make it up to me. Uh, how was your weekend, Izzy? What'd you do? I got some younger I got some younger cousins. So I took them to Sky Zone and I got humbled with the quickness. <laughs> uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was the I, I'm pretty sore here today. <laughs> Welcome aboard, my friend. <laughs> Slowly but surely these moments start to take over your life when you have uh, no idea. How active are you now? Like do you do anything uh physically normally? No, I, I no, I kind of retired it when I came out here. So mm-hmm. it's been three years since I've been fully active. Wow! And yeah, wow. I, re- I regret it. Yeah, I regret it. Are you gonna Are you gonna jump back and and play pickup a little bit, or are you gonna? St- are you excited to try to pick up golf? Where are you going activity wise? Yeah, I'm gonna try to get involved in a some just something to yeah. get out, get get about the get about the house. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I I, I don't want to relive another relive another moment like that. I would say pre kids, I really miss. Slow pitch softball. I loved playing slow pitch softball. Yeah. I did that from, well, intramurals, of course, in college. And then um, all the way through, gosh, until until Vienna was about two is is when I stopped playing slow pitch softball. So I, I would say I made it about, I, I forget how, old, how long we were married before Vienna was bored, but so I'll, I'll go with about six years, seven years, I was playing slow pitch softball and that was good. That was, that was enough. So jump into that and then your your girlfriend might meet new people and you, you never know what you're going to get into. Oh yeah, no, I'll definitely jump in the or that or flag football. I'll definitely do flag football. Oh wow, wow. that That's that's a lot of activity. <laughs> I could do one or the other, I think. Yeah, if I had an arm, I would be fine as a, you know, I, I could do flag football quarterback because I don't have to run as much. But truly good flag football teams, the quarterback does most of the running than anybody else. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so there's really no way, there's uh, there's nowhere to hide me. But I I did score a flag football touchdown in intramurals one time. I'll never forget it because the everybody was saying, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And the quarterback looked at me. He was a friend. He goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know how I got this lucky. But the only human being on this field slower than me is actually the guy covering me. So... 
count to three and just throw the ball as far as you could throw. And I got a touchdown. Like everybody was shocked that this happened. Like all of my team started laughing because I called my shot. And then the rest of the game, the other team wouldn't let the slow guy cover me. They, 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 I was like, you guys don't understand. That's the guy that should be covering me. You guys are fine that way. So they actually played a little bit of a zone for the rest of the game of giving him help over the top, no matter where that guy was. But there's my only intramural saw. Other than the fact that when I I actually tore my rotator cuff making an interception because I landed on my armpit. There you go. This is one of the other uh, injuries. Did you finish the game? Oh, you know me. Come on now. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. Of course. I uh, finished the game. But you know what was real pain? I'll never forget at... at, uh, to, I had no like whenever you get hurt, that's the only time somebody ever bumps into you is when you're hurt. So I have the torn rotator cuff, my uh, arms in a sling, and then I go to my little brother's soccer game. They're winning one to nothing. The other team scores with 90 seconds left. And then my little brother's team actually scores when their best player dribbles the whole team on the kickoff and scores. It was crazy. So Jennifer, which she's my girlfriend at the time, turns and jumps into my arms and I catch her. And then I crumple down into the ground in a heap. I mean, just in a total heap. The shoulder hurt so bad after that. And, uh, that was, and then another one was we were holding hands the first day out of my sling, but we were doing it at Halloween at Ohio University. And if you don't know what that means, there's 50,000 people on one street. It's just insane. And then, of course, it's almost like Red Rover. Somebody walked in between us while we were holding hands. And, oh, oh and then I, oh, man. Rotator cuffs are annoying because, like, they only hurt a little bit as you're holding your arm. But then it just grabs, like you're putting your shirt on, and oh, and you like, like there's like a point where you're not supposed to do that, but you don't know it until you hit it again. It's, it's awful. What's your worst injury, Izzy? Oh, no, I think my worst injury was a concussion. To be honest, oh, I think yeah, I, I, like I, I didn't notice I had a concussion until the day after when I yeah. went to school, and I'm like, these lights are bright. And I'm like, <laughs> I have a headache. I had a flaming headache, and yeah, yeah it was that that bothered me for a good week. Yeah, those are those are crazy because in a sense they don't really hurt other than the headache, but on the other hand they're the worst. <laughs> I mean you're doing the uh, you're doing the most damage. I don't even know how many of those I had from he- heading soccer balls all the time. Like you don't think about it as a kid. You just you're playing soccer. Yeah, <laughs> and that was just that was just normal. All right, let's see what do we got. We got sound credits I haven't done yet. Um, oh, before I get into sound credits, sorry, I want to make sure that you know about Whirlwind. We're doing well. Uh, General Josh just sent out the bat signal, I think, and, and put in a bunch of foursomes. So we're doing well, but it's not sold out. So I'd still love for you to go to unplugged.whirlwind.com and book your tea time. Thanks, Izzy. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, Izzy just put the screen up. It's really easy to see. Perfect picture. Of, I don't have the course memorized yet, so I don't know what hole that is. But perfect picture of the lake that you hit it over on one of the par threes. And uh, at the front page of unplugged.whirlwind.com, it explains how the Whirlwind Plus program benefits you. Please feel free to read up on that. But if you're just interested in getting yourself set up for Friday, then click on the events page. So the events tab is at the top of that website. And then it'll bring you to a new site that says February event. And it explains the event that's coming up, coming up on Friday. And then you just click on the RSVP button. When you do that, you'll fill out your information. And then in the comments section, that's where you write down anybody in your group that you want, or if there's a specific time you'd like to tee off. 
our times in total are 12 to 130, but 12 to 1240 is filled. So therefore, choose something close to 1 or 130, somewhere in there. And if you want to just play by your not by yourself, you'll be put with other members of the Army. But if you want to play and you're a single, just put down I'm a single. But in the comments page, say, hey, I want to be paired up with this person. And as long as that person says the same thing, that they want to be paired up with you, you're good. But make sure they do that because you might find out that your friend isn't really your friend and he didn't want to be paired up with you. And then he's going to go, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why it didn't work out. And we have to tell you the truth of, well, your friend didn't want to be paired with you. So make sure you both write in the comment section that who you uh, who else is in your group that you'd like to be paired with. That's unplugged at whirlwind.com. We're going to be there Friday. We will be there. I'm going to be there and get breakfast at 1030. Then I'll be warming up on the course about 1130. And then I have new news that I'd like to tell you. I told you I wasn't sure about last week. I'm officially sure. Please check out the hat. Trophy Bar is Trophy is a new uh, sports bar in um, in Chandler, but it's a lot closer to Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to go there for happy hour. So after you golf, I'd like you to come over to Trophy. For those of you that aren't golfing, please come over to Trophy afterwards uh, and and celebrate happy hour with us. We'll I'll probably be getting there sometime around five o'clock. And then I'll probably hang out for a couple hours. So please stop by Trophy in Chandler and and join us over there because it's a lot closer and it'll be great. And then, which brings us to something else. I uh, I can't believe this is is truly happening. Should I say it yet? You know what? It, it hasn't been signed yet. It hasn't been signed yet, so I don't. I, I won't say it. I won't say it. But something big is coming in March, and I'm jacked up for it. Something big is coming in March, and I'm jacked up for it. And I'll tell you more about it uh, coming up this week. Let me get everything finalized. But we're going to have a new advertiser on Doug Franz Unplugged and WTSMTV.com. And I am... I just can't believe this is happening. I'm so excited for what it means for us, what it means for the station, the show. And for those of you that have helped drive Doug Franz Unplugged to this success, uh... I just owe you everything, and I'm just really appreciated, uh, appreciative of it. Okay, sound credits today. Uh, ArizonaWildcats.com gave us the Tommy Lloyd. Point blank, I don't have any Bobby Hurley for you, and I'm shocked. I don't know why I don't, just to be blunt. Um, as we have a situation where the uh, ASU did not put up on their website a Bobby Hurley press conference, and I don't know why. I really, I'm shocked by that. So I don't have Bobby Hurley for you. Uh, we have Booker and KD. Where did you get the Booker and KD from, uh, Izzy? Uh, the Phoenix Suns posted it on the YouTube oh, channel. Oh, that was nice of you. Thanks, Suns, for doing that. So we got Booker and KD from their Suns channel, and then you got Matt Ishbia from where? Uh, Pat McAfee Show. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I liked some of the things that he said uh, there. That's on ESPN. Bridges from the um, J.J. Reddick podcast, right? Uh, Jalen Brunson. Oh, the Jalen. Okay, that's right. That's right. I'm butchering this. I should have just had you do it all instead of instead of guessing. So Charles Barkley, it was hilarious. If you didn't hear from him yesterday, he was on the TNT alt broadcast. And then uh, Andre Turney is from Coyotes PR. And I think that's it. Can you think of anything else? Um, no, nah, that's it. Okay, we're good. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one is something that happened in the ASU U of A game. 
and it bothers me. And let me be clear. Some of you might think this is a hypocritical opinion. I don't think it's hypocritical at all. I think it's easy to figure out. On the forks down gesture that was shown by Caleb Love, that was terrible officiating. That's got to be a technical foul for taunting. You didn't handle it well. Referees, you choked. On the other hand, it's the same opinion. ASU fans suck it up. It's a rivalry. I, I was amazed at how many people were bent out of shape if somebody thought that should be a technical. And I was amazed at how many people acted like Caleb Love had no class and he's this and he's that and da-da-da. Is it a rivalry or is it not? I mean, that, that's the question you have to ask yourself. The reason why I say that's got to be an immediate technical is because that's the way that the NCAA has said things should be handled. In Texas, if you go horns down, then that's a flag or a technical foul. The NCAA has said that's taunting, and therefore you've got to give a technical. That's their rule, not mine. Do I think it should normally be? Do I think that should be the rule? No, I don't. I think suck it up. If you don't like it, play better. If you don't like it, guard somebody. If you don't like it, actually move the ball and work for a good open shot instead of playing like five individuals. If you don't like it, play harder. It's that simple to me. But what I think and what is the rule is two different things. And those referees did a terrible job in handling that situation. Now, do we really think it affects that game? Of course not. Of course not. It doesn't matter how upset anybody at ASU gets. The referees blew it. But if you're that upset at U of A doing forks down, instead of upset at the rotating starting lineups, instead of upset at the lack of basketball discipline, there's a difference between basketball discipline and then actual human discipline. It's not like ASU is getting nine technicals a game and and having fights and stuff like that. But I mean, what I consider basketball discipline, good ball movement and the knowledge to know what's a good shot and what's a bad shot, I don't think they know that. But when we look at the forks down issue, it's to me really simple. Right now on WTSMTV.com, Izzy's got a great picture of it. I in no way think that should be a technical. Do I really want my guys doing that? Not really. You know, I would, I would rather my players get themselves excited by being jacked up for what you've accomplished and not stepping on the other team. At the same time, I do look at ASU and say, suck it up. It's a rivalry. What do you want in a rivalry? All you have to do is play better and you don't have to worry about anything. That's dramatically different than my opinion of the officials. I wish the NCAA didn't call that a tactical. I wish the NCAA basically had kids learn to get through their own adversities and deal with it. I think too often right now, especially in youth sports, we try to protect our kids from adversity all the time. And then we're shocked when kids are raised that can't handle adversity. I don't understand that. This is a great opportunity for players to understand. It's your fault they're doing forks down. You let them embarrass yourself. However, this is what the NCAA ruled. This, is, this isn't the referee's job to determine. It's your job to pay attention and do what you've been told to do, and they didn't do it. And that's Doug's big one today. Should have been a tactical, and I don't care that he did it. Now, as far as the game itself is concerned, Wow. Just 
Wow. I, I don't know if you heard me in the four-minute offense. Just to put it in perspective, it's not like you need perspective when I say 105 to 60. When I say a 45-point beatdown and the largest beatdown in the history of the rivalry, that's what that was yesterday. You don't need me to break it down even more than that. But I will say how shocking it is that ASU had a 20-15 to 15 lead in this game. 20-15. to 15. That means if you do the reverse math... That means U of A went on a 90 to 40 run. <laughs> they outscored ASU by 50 points from about midway through the first half till the end of the game. In 30 minutes of basketball, they got a 50 point lead. That's almost impossible to be able to do that. Here is Tommy Lloyd at the beginning of the press conference, basically, boom, plopped down, was asked a question about sharing the basketball and said, this is what we can do. All right, guys. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, good game for our guys tonight. You know, I mean, obviously, I have a lot of respect for Arizona State and, and, you know, and Bobby, you know, just one of those days, things went our way. And, you know, I'm sure in 10 days, you know, they'll – they'll be ready for a little bit of redemption. So, you know, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. But but all in all, I mean, it was, it was a good effort by our guys tonight. This is one of those games that if you had an athletic director, it would be the final nail in the coffin. There's no way you can lose to a rival by 45 points and keep your job. You can't. Or it's not a real rivalry. I mean, if you're having a great season and then somebody gets hurt and you end up laying an egg in your next game, that happens to be the rivalry game, so be it. That happens. Here's ASU's remaining schedule. ASU is home against UW on Thursday night national television. They're home against Washington State Saturday night on national television. Both teams are better than ASU, and Saturday night, Washington State – That's going to be an interesting game because Washington State is at U of A on Thursday. I don't know how many people would have predicted this, but Washington State's a half a game back. So you're talking about a game for first place in the Pac-12. Imagine how dumb you would have sounded back in August if you would have said, I think in late February when the Cougars come to Tucson, that's going to be a game that determines the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament. (laughs) That just sounds dumb saying it, and that's where it is. So no matter what happens with Washington State, U of A, and Tucson, now Washington State's coming to ASU to try to get stuff fixed. So very possible of an 0-2 weekend coming up for ASU. And then ASU, after the Washington schools, it's their turn to host U of A. So think about this three-game stretch right now for ASU in which you team you play a UW team that's better than you, a Washington State team that's a lot better than you, and a U of A team that's a national championship contender, and you're not even an NIT contender. If these three games are all losses and all even remotely embarrassing, I, I don't mean, even if you don't have an athletic director, why do you keep Bobby Hurley? At the same time, this is still the guy that got you to more NCAA tournaments than any other coach in the history of Arizona State in a shorter amount of time. There's zero momentum with the program right now, and the program is continually taking steps down. 
what's amazing about this is, is they still don't have an athletic director. I mean, Dr. Crow is so bad at his job that he still hasn't been able to find an athletic director. And whenever you go this long without finding an athletic director, it's almost always very simple, very simple. It's because you are either wanting more control than you should have as a president. Now, the president has full control if they want it. But the point is, that's why you're hiring an athletic director. So anybody good is looking at this job saying, Dr. Crow won't give me the power that I need. Or they're looking at it and saying the pressure the drive, the determination, the expectations of the job do not equal the salary being offered. It's one or the other. And both of those things are on Dr. Crow. And that's where we are. So you would have had an athletic director by now if Dr. Crow was good at his job. And it really goes back to, let's think, and I, listen, I, I should always throw this caveat out there when I say if Dr. Crow was good at his job. If he was good as it relates to athletics. I hope I've, I've given enough disclaimers, but if you're new to Doug Franz Unplugged, then let me give you a disclaimer you might not have heard of. I have always said I am completely unqualified to talk about Dr. Crow as a president of a university when we're looking at it through the academic perspective. I have zero idea what it takes to be a good president. I have zero idea how it should be judged. And I don't have time to learn it, nor do I have a desire to learn. This is how presidents should be judged. I can sit on the sidelines and say, Dr. Robbins, you're broke. You're not very good. You know, I can, I can say that, but I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's the same thing with Dr. Crow. I am only referring to him being bad at his job as it relates to athletics. How many athletic directors does he get? I mean, isn't that kind of an interesting point? In sports, we look at a general manager. At most, you get three head coaches. Normally, you get fired with your second one. Whoever your second hire is, if he fails, now you failed and you're out. How many athletic directors does Dr. Crow get? before somebody in the board of regents says hey wait a minute you're not very good at this it's actually in the paper this weekend the highest paid employee in the state of arizona is herm edwards on the on the on the previous fiscal year think about that all of the reports have come in for the 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 last fiscal year that's being reported publicly and on that the largest employee the highest state employee uh is uh, is herm edwards still that's on the school president because he could have got that money back if he would have fired him with cause and he didn't he could have got ray anderson's salary back who's in the top six of highest paid people in the state of arizona but he didn't that shows you complete ineptitude and a lack of ability to hold people accountable that's who dr crow is and we don't have an athletic director now, the rumor mill has said for a while, the UConn athletic director is a tempting choice. And I bet that's interesting. Now, here's what's weird. Who's his head coach? Danny Hurley. He's not going to, is he really going to come in and fire Bobby to hire Danny? Uh, no, Danny wouldn't take it. But it does show he's good at hiring coaches. When you have a coach that's won a national championship and you're right back to number one in the country in basketball. So if you've got a guy of that ilk that's even, I don't know if he's interested or not, but if he's remotely interested in the job, why haven't you paid him? Why haven't you been able to get him here? I mean, you look around Tempe, you look at the Phoenix Metro, you look at this weather, and you can't get somebody to say yes? 
wow, you're not good. I mean, wow, you aren't good. And what's really frustrating for me is how little politicians do anything about this. Now, you might say, Doug, I don't want politics and sports to intermingle. Normally, I get that, but here's the problem. The only way to hold Dr. Crow accountable is through the Board of Regents. And the Board of Regents are appointed by the governor. I believe they're approved by the Senate. I might be wrong on that. Again, this is out of my league a little bit. But I do know the only people that can hold the Board of Regents accountable is politicians. And what are they doing? I mean, how can Dr. Crow be spending the money he spends on Herm Edwards and on Ray Anderson and not be being held accountable for it? And how do you how do you say that's a good president when you still don't have an athletic director? And if you would have done what you were supposed to do with Ray Anderson, which was fire him a long time ago, you would have had all of this runway to find the AD. This, to me, is another reason why Dr. Crow is clueless at running an athletic department is how did you not know you needed to let go of Ray Anderson? So you waited so long to finally come to that agreement that you were going to move on from Ray Anderson. And now we're basically two years removed from when you should have let him go. And we are three months removed from when you did let him go. Three months. You still haven't found an athletic director. I bring this point up because one of the first questions you have to ask a new athletic director or anybody being uh, uh, interviewing for the job, give me your list of basketball hires. You're going to judge the athletic director by who he's thinking of bringing in. Who should be the next head coach of Arizona State basketball? Or would you keep Bobby Hurley? And if you're going to keep Bobby Hurley, why would you keep Bobby Hurley? And what are you going to do differently as the athletic director? Even though after that loss... Bobby Hurley, to me, has run out of options, and this would be the last year. He has still coached a basketball team with zero support from his athletic director for three years now. Zero. So that's not easy. And when did this thing fall apart? It fell apart as Ray Anderson became more and more irrelevant and pointless. So there is, I don't want to say an excuse, because Bobby still was bringing in the players. Bobby hasn't gotten them to gel, and to me, the team fails by the same reasons. Can't rebound, bad shot selection, they don't develop a post-up game. It's one thing for that to happen one year. That's been a general trend for three straight years. That's not Dr. Crow's fault. That's not Ray Anderson's fault. That's on Bobby Hurley. But it's interesting to think what kind of coach can a new athletic director bring in, and that's got to be a main point of the conversation. So as, as I look right now at ASU and, uh, and U of A, boy. Like, for an example, they've had four straight different starting lineups. Bobby Hurley has. And Gaffney didn't start in the last game. I have been going crazy lately, and you've heard me throw out the stat. Gaffney is in about the top eight in three-point shot attempts in the Pac-12, and he's barely in the top 50 in three-point shooting percentage. And yet we've waited until February 17th before we bench uh, Gaffney. Really? Uh, like, like, what are we trying to teach here? What are we trying to coach here? Learn good shots. And if he's not doing it, you bench him in November. You bench him in December. Then they learn early, and we're not still trying to teach lessons in February. Um, I, I think Bobby showed way too much confidence in his guys, and they took advantage of him. 
and I hope he learns from it. I hope he becomes a better coach after this year. I think he will. Bobby Hurley's a very passionate and a very good man, and I, I do think he's been great for ASU. But that's a conversation that has to be had, and I, I would say he needs to do something amazingly elite. I wouldn't fire him like now. Like I'm not going to say you don't even get back on the bus. You, you finish out the year. But I would say you need a borderline miracle to to keep Bobby Hurley. But the, the problem is you don't even have an athletic director to make that decision. It's really an embarrassing state right now in, in ASU basketball. And that was before a 105-60 beatdown. But this is the pinnacle. I mean, think about that. Every player on that ASU team will have to wear it for the rest of their lives. You lost by a wider margin than any ASU team in the history of the rivalry. That's on every member of that organization. And that is on Dr. Crow and Ray Anderson, too. Not as much. Okay, that Bobby said it last week, and he said it pretty well. This is my masterpiece. Yeah, it is. But when you have a completely rudderless ship, I'm not going to flip out because the rowboat isn't doing well either. All right, coming up next. The NBA All-Star game. Adam Silver told us it was going to be a really good game and it was going to be a lot more competitive. How'd that go, Adam? (laughs) Adam Silver, nice man. Big time fraud. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Of course, as you know, because of the orange juice and the beer I drink, I am a picture of health. However, intern McKenna and Jennifer used to get sick all the time until we bought an air scrubber from Parker & Sons. Call 602-2-REPAIR and ask about an air scrubber. It actually removes some of the germs, viruses, and allergens from even the surfaces of your home. I have zero idea how this thing works. Don't ask me. I'm not the expert but I know that hospitals use them. I also know at first Parker and Sons, they didn't truly believe it either. So they bought one, installed it in their home just to test it, to make sure that this is a worthwhile product that deserves the name Parker and Sons. They're thrilled with it, and that's why they offer them to you, and that's why I have them in my home. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Today's a big day. First day of full squad workouts. When I was getting ready this morning, I totally forgot that, which just drives me crazy. I'm wearing flips, which are normal, and gym shorts. I figure that's a holiday, but I'm working. I, I dress like a putz. But then you can't go work at spring training when you've dressed like a putz. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do. Am I going to drive all the way to Goodyear? And then the worst drive in the city is Goodyear to Salt River Fields. That is nasty. Yet I really wanted to go to the first day of workout. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet today. 
really a bad move. Uh, I'm thinking about putting normal clothes and just settling, uh, leaving them in the car. Because sometimes you don't make the best decisions at 3.15 in the morning. You just don't. And now I, I don't know what I'm doing. Just really upset at myself for screwing that up. Let's get into the NBA All-Star game. Uh, Adam Silver... That man drives me crazy. He's, he is a very intelligent man, and I do believe he's a good man. But I also think he's a fraud. And, and I, don't, I realize that that's, boy, that's harsh. No, I mean, number one, I, may, I came to that conclusion. I was thinking about that for years when you look at NBA officiating. The way he supports NBA officiating when it's god-awful is just ridiculous. I mean, stand up and get it fixed. It's your job to fix it, and you can't tell me that you care about it. You're either condoning it or coaching it. It's really simple. Either you're not a good enough commissioner to see how bad the officiating is, or you see it and you're clearly not doing enough about it. Either way, that's on you, commissioner. Either way. So that, to me, tells me he's a fraud. Then there was the entire Robert Sarver situation. Here's what I don't get. Robert Sarver, never forget this. He was only suspended for a year. The league did not force him to sell the team. The league did nothing. They suspended him for one year. If you read the report, saw all of the things that he was doing and just how clueless he was. I mean, like, just think about this for a second. They wanted to talk about possibly selling Phoenix Suns swimsuits, Phoenix Suns bikinis. So he had his wife put on a Phoenix Suns bikini and took a picture of her by his pool and then put the picture up in front of everybody in order to have a conversation about should we have Phoenix Suns swimsuits. Now, I don't know about you. If I'm in a meeting and I'm supposed to comment about the way a suit looks on my owner's wife and he's so oblivious, either he's doing it to pressure you to make you uncomfortable or he's an idiot. Okay, it's which one do you want? And that was just one thing. There were so many allegations against him, so many ignorant things that he did. That makes me look at it and say, out of all of that harassment employees went through, you only cared enough to give him a year? I mean, that's so insulting. It's almost like, then why even suspend him? Why suspend him then? Adam Silver, you're a fraud when you come up with a one-year suspension for that. That doesn't show that you actually understand the gravity of what he was doing. I, I totally believe that you would have been a stronger man to not suspend him at all. Just to tell the, just to come out with a report and say we're embarrassed by this. We think Robert Sarver's a terrible human being and we hope he sells. But we're not going to force his hand into anything. And we would like to say to all of his employees, if you would like a job in the NBA office or if you'd like a job with another NBA team, let us know. And we will pay to move your family away. I would have done that then if you don't think it's worthy of a suspension. And a year is not worthy of a suspension. It was PayPal. It was the Kroger company that owns fries. It was advertisers that said, we'll finish out our contract, but we're not going to renew as long as Robert Sarver owns the team. They were the ones that forced Robert Sarver out, not Adam Silver. Now you have Adam Silver all year. I mean, all year. 
he was having a directive that the All-Star game was going to be a lot more competitive. And he constantly talked to the players about making the All-Star game more competitive. Truth be told, my feelings about the NBA All-Star game, I like them screwing around for a quarter. I don't know why. They're just such incredible athletes that seeing bounce pass alley-oops, full-court alley-oops, crazy slams, three-pointers from massive distance, I'm okay with that for a quarter. And then I want to see good basketball. I want to see the great players play good basketball. This is going to shock you, Izzy. My greatest all-star memory. Okay, my favorite all-star memory is when Magic Johnson came back when the world thought he, an HIV-positive player should never play. He retired. I still remember it very well. It was a Thursday. I believe the date was November 7th uh, was the actual day that he did it. I was a sophomore in college, and I couldn't believe this was happening. And then he was retired for like two years and then played in an all-star game. I believe it was in Orlando. That's number one. But from a competitive standpoint, I'll never forget. Just imagine, because you, you know these names, but you didn't get to see him play, is he? Dr. J and Larry Bird on a two-on-one break against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Abdul-Jabbar stopped the break. That's how it used to be. That I mean, it was real. And seeing those guys play, now granted, here's what changed. Tooth, well, the, the only thing that changed is the money. But what changed was the players didn't make as much, so therefore the all-star winner's check meant something. Like, it was a big deal. Now to the players, no matter how much you pay them for the all-star game, it doesn't matter because it's not worth future earnings. And they look at it as, I might get hurt. And then you have two, you have one real high-profile injury, and the guy's on the court. Remember Paul George in a USA basketball tryout slash scrimmage snapped his leg on the basket stanchion. And it was terrible. And it was already trending poorly in All-Star games. And after that, it has been a joke forever. And nobody does anything. And I'm wondering what Adam Silver really is going to do. I'm just laughing at him because all he did was tell us for the last six months, this is going to be one of the best All-Star games ever. We're going to go back to East versus West. So we have some regional rivalries. Here we go. And then he gets that. Did you, did you even watch it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it, but even then, it's just pretty much the same thing we've been watching for the past, what, yes. 20 years? <laughs> Did you watch it because you felt like it was your job? Like, would you have watched it if you were just, like, you're a good NBA fan. You love the NBA, but you know it's work-related to watch the All-Star game. Would you have watched it if it wasn't work? Yeah, uh, yeah, I still would have watched it. I think I still would have watched it. Okay, okay. I, I think I... I would have turned it on like at some point in the evening and then been, okay, I'm done with this and turned it off. I watched the whole thing because I consider it my job. Now, the highlight, and I can't wait to see what happens here. The highlight of this event was not anything that happened on the court. The highlight of the event to me, of the All-Star game, not of the whole weekend, of the All-Star game, was Reggie Miller bragging about Indianapolis. They've had a Super Bowl. They have a Final Four once every four years. And they also have the NFL Combine. And the NFL has been talking a lot about moving the Combine around to different cities. And the scouts and the teams actually argue against it. 
They want to go to Indianapolis. And the reason why is the convention center is right next to Lucas Oil, which is right next to restaurants and coffee shops, which is right next to the hospital for the medical testing. So everything is so conveniently located and everybody's a creature of habit. It's so simple that they don't want to go anywhere else. And therefore, they're not going to move it. So Reggie's talking about all the great things that happen in Indianapolis. And he says, we know we can host big events. Draymond Green rips Reggie for talking about Indianapolis and how cold it is there and how much he hopes they never have another All-Star game there. That's when Charles Barkley talks about next year's All-Star game in San Francisco. So you have a guy nicknamed B.A. who's doing play-by-play for TNT. You have Reggie Miller uh, doing the color analyst job for, for that. And you now have the alt broadcast with Draymond Green and Charles Barkley. Here you go. The minus, uh, hey, you know, hey, the hey. 17 degrees. Hey, 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 Reggie. Yes. If you had a, if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, we would. Oh, 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 that's oh, terrible. Oh, no. No, we don't. <laughs> yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. Yes, you can walk around. Yeah, with a bulletproof bag. Hey, Taylor. Taylor, that little red button on that microphone, it says coffee. You can't walk around San Francisco with a bunch of homeless crooks. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, I, admittedly, I don't know. Are there crooks and there's homeless or are there homeless crooks? I thought it was two separate groups. I did think it was two separate groups. But, oh my gosh, the the crime in San Francisco is insane. When we visited there as a family a couple years ago, it was signs everywhere, do not park your car here. And then it was looting possible. And then you would see cars with the window busted out just sitting there. And I... I It amazes me to think about the lack of attention to detail where you actually put up signs to warn potential victims instead of like investing into cops and cameras. We just accept this is what happens. So put up a sign. Say, hey, you could get robbed. There you go. Thanks for coming. And Charles is the only one that has the courage to say something about it. Now, what's going to be the backlash? I can't wait to see every San Francisco member of the, oh, it's not like that. It's not like, yeah, actually, it's 100% like that. Good job, San Francisco, and the choices you've made. You deserve it completely. But I am just laughing hysterically at Charles Barkley having the courage to say that. And TNT full well knows, don't sign Chuck if you don't like what Chuck says. Don't sign him. And Draymond Green didn't know what to do. Draymond Green tries to pretend to be this outspoken guy who's willing to say whatever it takes. He's willing to be put himself out there. And then as soon as that happens, oh, no, I don't want to attack this gravy train I've got going. It's amazing how tough Draymond Green is as long as he's getting paid for it. Highly, highly entertaining on that. So we have Charles Barkley telling the truth, and we have Adam Silver say, oh, we're going to have a good game this year. We're going to have a good game. Uh, let's go through the, uh, the sound we have from All-Star Game related, specifically for the Suns. 
Here's uh, Devin Booker. Let's do one and three, if you could, Izzy. We'll go Booker one and Booker three, because these are the two quotes that talks about paying homage to the legends, both All-Star game and with his shoe. Um, just the history and the legends that are in the building. So, you know, I'm a big pay homage guy to the ones that come before you. And, you know, being in there with Bird, being in there at Reggie, you know, in their, in their home cities, their hometowns, you know, it's, it's a good time. I love seeing the legends. I kind of wish the legends, I wish the NBA would get the legends involved in order to try to get this game to be competitive maybe they would step it up. And when I say that, boy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was trying. Scotty Barnes was trying. It was funny. It was really shocking to see. You could tell the difference between the guys who were actually playing hard and everybody else. But there were a couple. There were a couple. I have, uh, I've told this story before, but they showed him on camera so much that I, I have to tell you one of my favorite basketball stories. Oscar Robertson is the legendary point guard. He's originally from Indiana, um, went to Cincinnati as a college, and then was drafted by a team. The current Sacramento Kings used to be the uh, Cincinnati Royals. So he was drafted and played for the Cincinnati Royals right out of college from Cincinnati, and then eventually ended up with Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, with the uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks, and they won a title. I'd have to look it up. I believe it was 1960, but I'd have to look up when they won the title. And that was with the two of them, Oscar Robertson and uh, and and Kareem. Well, I'm at a baseball or a card show, card event, and I'm kind of the MC. And it's the day before the event, and Oscar Robertson is there because he's going to be at the event, and he was there on a VIP meet and greet. So we're kind of backstage and we're talking a little bit about hoops. And and then I ask him, who's his all-time starting five? Like, who are the five guys that you say this is the number one at each position? And he starts him hawing around a little bit. He starts going, well, I, you know, everybody's so good. now." And then there's the debate of, you know, how physical it was in my day and how's this. And he, he didn't really want to answer the question. So I just told him, well, what do you think about my five? And I said, I would have Magic playing the point. I'd have Michael as the two guard. I'd have Bird as the three. Now, this is 15. No, this is about 20 years ago when I said this. I'd have a Bird playing the three. And I said I would have uh, Wilt at the four. And I'd have Russell at the five. Even though Russell and Wilt were both uh, centers. I, I, that's, that, that was my five. And then you should have seen the fire that jumped out of his eyes. I mean the fire, because basically what did I just say? I'm not starting him. (laughs) I said, I'm going to start magic. Suddenly, this was not a casual conversation about the history of the game. He said, really, that's your five? I'll tell you what. With my five, I would put, I'd take Elgin Baylor at the two, I'd take Jerry West at the three. I'd take Wes Unseld at the four. I'd take Abdul-Jabbar at center, and I'll run point, and we'll smoke your five. 
Like, I, I don't know how you get into a competitive argument with one of the greatest point guards of all time that you didn't even know you just pissed off. Like, I just think, oh, here, what do you think? You're you're smarter than me in the game. I want to learn from you. Here's my five. Is that the best five of all time? And then now, suddenly, I'm the head coach of a fantasy football team that's a, a basketball team that's about to get smoked. That's about to get lit up because Oscar's fired up. And he wants to beat my – and he was – he had the fire. Like, right then and there, he had the fire to play my group. He looked great yesterday, by the way. The last time I saw him uh, when I, in that conversation face-to-face, he had a lot of extra weight. And, boy, he's lost a ton of weight. He looked great. It was really cool to see him and the legends of the game that uh, that were there. Uh, let's go to uh, Booker 3. This is him paying homage as well, but now he's talking about his shoes and the commercial with Tarasi in it and having KD a part of it as well. Uh, yeah, that's the most important part. That's why I wanted to pay homage with these. Um, inspired by the All-Star game that was in Phoenix in 1995. Do you think your team needs to be done to get to the finals? Um, I'm not trying to get there. I done did that already. I'm trying to finish it, but we just have to keep getting better. Simple as that. That's kind of an interesting comment. What, what do you think you guys need to either improve on or do to get to the finals? And, uh, and he says, we've already done that. we got to finish. That was an interesting comment. I've never heard it phrased like that. He's not wrong, but how often do you hear a Super Bowl loser, a World Series loser, a championship loser ever come out and say, well, we've already gotten there. We've already done that. We just got to finish. When she clearly means the 2024 finals. Um, I'm never going to get on book for the semantics of what he says, but I I don't agree with that mindset. It's almost like, okay, we've accomplished that goal, but we haven't accomplished the final goal, which is winning the championship. This might be a little nitpicky, I admit, but I... I think every year is a year unto itself. Every year brings its own challenges. So I think it's wrong to look at it as, hey, I've made a finals once in my career. Now, the reason why I'm not like dropping the hammer on Booker, I don't totally disagree with him, is there is an element of the the national media has really no idea, still to this day, in my opinion, of how good Booker really is. So therefore, it's easy to say something like, I think he's got a defense mechanism that you don't realize what I've already done. But I don't I didn't I didn't think that was a great answer right there. You okay, so what? You've been to a final, you know? A lot of players have been to a final. What are you going to do about getting to this year's final? Cuz right now, if we're judging the regular season as who's going to get to the finals, you're not even close. I mean, you're you might be the third best team. There's no way you're in the Clippers Nuggets group. You're kind of in this battle for third, really, as the third best team, and that's just the West. We're not even talking about Boston and Milwaukee and uh, and what they're potentially bringing to the table. Um, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. So, do you think that? And this is just taken outside of the just taking out the Devin Booker hate. Yeah. Do you, Do you think that like? <laughs> outside of Phoenix. Like, they respect Devin Booker, but it's come to a point to where he's just he's just one of the most annoying NBA players to a lot of NBA fans outside of Phoenix. I totally believe that's true. I think they're wrong to feel like that, but I totally agree with you. That's how they feel. And, and, and I don't... 
I look at D-Book as I respect this about him, but I do look at it at his fault. I think he's terrible at self-promotion. And I like that about him. I don't want him. To, I, I think he cares about winning. He doesn't care about self-promotion. So he's not out there. He doesn't have a podcast to try to get a lot of attention for. He's not out there promoting things all the time. And more specifically, he didn't leave Phoenix. Phoenix is such, not really for Suns fans, but in general, it's such a bandwagon market. And it's such a market that doesn't draw attention to itself at all nationally that therefore you don't get anything for playing for the Phoenix Suns. And he didn't look at it and say, I've got to get to the Lakers. I've got to get to the Knicks. I've got to get to the Celtics. He never looked at it as I've got to go somewhere in order to get the attention I deserve. He just allows it to drive his fury that he doesn't get the attention that he's wanted because he cares about legacy. This is why I don't think he's selfish. I don't think he's being hypocritical. He cares about the legacy of every player. He has shown at the beginning that he cares about the history of the game. So therefore, his legacy is important to him because of how it relates to the history of the game. To me, it's hypocritical if you make it all about you, but you don't learn about the history of the game. That, that would bother me. He knows the history very, very well and wants to be a part of it. That's why he would talk about Monty Williams not winning Coach of the Year award one time, and he said, it goes to your legacy. Look at the 75th anniversary team. How many times they said, this guy is a two-time MVP. This guy is a seven-time All-Star. This guy is this. This guy is that. All of those numbers are your legacy. So there's a difference between saying Monty Williams is a two-time Coach of the Year and saying Monty Williams won it once. That's your legacy. And when people don't vote right, you screw up your own. They, they get your legacy screwed up. So you, I think it's perfectly justifiable to care because he's consistent with it. That, that's why I – but I understand how he has that demeanor that seems kind of aloof. He has that demeanor that a lot of people don't realize that they think he does it to piss people off. And he, I, to me, he just wants to win. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, Izzy. Did you notice how many times Booker went into dunk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even in a timeout. I think the crowd went, ooh, one time when he threw himself an alley-oop off the glass. It was almost like he had an agenda to show the world, hey, I can play up here. I just choose not to. I don't take that wear and tear. I don't need to. Uh, and, and therefore, he, he doesn't do it all the time. I kind of felt like that was a point. Now, I hope he took a little bit of fire in the belly because did you notice? He only went one for seven from three. Yeah, he didn't really do too much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One for seven from three, not good enough. Uh, speaking of dunking, how about Luca? Who <laughs> got hung on the room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you didn't see the game in a in a, about a fifteen second span, it was hilarious. Luke is all by himself, puts the ball up off the backboard and tries to jam it, and and it is a hard dunk right into the front of the rim. I mean, it's not like he barely lost grip of the ball or slid the ball over the rim. Sometimes you'll see a guy dunk when they miss a dunk and the ball slips out for just a second and then it hits the back of the iron and they've almost thrown it up against the stuff like that. that none of that happened. He dunked it hard right into the front of the rim. 
the middle of the ball hit the middle of the rim. And then it went to Dame Lillard, and Dame time just went right to half court, shot a three. Yes, from half court. And it was hilarious. Like the juxtaposition of what Luka just did, and then Dame hitting the three. Um, here's Booker with one more question about uh, getting getting fired up to finish the season and get to the playoffs. Yeah, it's go time. You know, it's time to turn it up a little bit and you know, just compete at the highest level. Like you said, remain to stay healthy and you know you just want to peak at the right time. You want to play the, the right basketball um, and just keep getting better and keep getting better before the playoffs. See, they've they've played 55 um, games and 82 minus 55 is normally right around uh, 27. So they got about 27 games left or so to uh, to end the season. And right now, let me cheat if you don't mind. Right now, the Suns are the five seed. They're tied with New Orleans as the uh, five six seed, but the Suns have the tiebreaker. But they're still three games away from home court advantage. The standings right now, this is crazy to say this. I I still can't believe this. T-Wolves are in first place, the Thunders in second place. Really? I mean, we've been we've known that for a long time, but it's just it's starting to be like, hey, we got to start taking this seriously. Um, so they're one, two. Clippers are three. Nuggets are four. So there is your top four that all have home court advantage. So if the Suns want to do better and have home court advantage, they've got to close the three-game gap on Denver. However, they're only a game away from the play-in tournament. Dallas is is one game behind them. Sacramento's two uh, is a game and a half behind them. That's it. So the Suns are a lot closer to being forced in the play-in tournament than they are to having home court advantage against the Nuggets in the first round. Right now, playoff start today. It's Suns at Nuggets game one. How you feeling? I have zero confidence in that. Now, I am the same guy, full disclosure, that embarrassed myself last year and thought we can play this team. That could be a loss. We can play this team. Like, there were a lot of teams I didn't want to play. And I said, I'm not worried about the uh, the Nuggets. I wasn't worried about the Nuggets last year. Now, granted, what's weird about that is the Suns played the Nuggets tougher than anybody on the Nuggets ride to a championship. But you can't be more wrong than to say, I'm not worried about that team, and that team wins the championship. So now guess what? Now I am worried. Now I'm looking at the Nuggets and saying, hey, we've got to do better in these final games here, 27 games, to try to get to avoid the Nuggets. And the only way to avoid the Nuggets is to pass the Clippers, Oklahoma City, or uh, Minnesota. And the Clippers right now are four games ahead of the Suns. So that's where they need to go. Here's KD with uh with complimenting the Eastern Conference All-Stars and namely Dame Lillard uh, Dame Lillard and uh Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, the shot making from the East was incredible. I mean, hard to play defense when somebody shoot 30, 40 footers over you, you know. So display of shooting tonight, great display of shooting tonight by them and breaker seven points is pretty cool. Don't listen, KD. Don't, it was. I was fine with what you said. It was an incredible display of shooting. But don't say it's hard to play defense when people are shooting 40-foot shots over your head. Because you weren't playing defense when people were shooting 8-foot shots. Okay? Now, KD actually stood in front of guys. I mean, KD actually pretended to try defensively 
for one for one for one guy. But come on, don't. That's not the reason why it was you didn't play defense. All right, uh, tell us about what you think the rest of the way in these final twenty-seven games. No, we don't have. We don't really necessarily talk about the strength of schedule. Uh, we respect every team, regardless, and we try to focus on us as much as possible each night. Um, so it's just about building our habits, getting better at what we already established, and uh, pushing forward. And you know, I think this plan against some of the teams that's going to be there at the end of the season is going to be a great test before we head to the playoffs. It's interesting when you look at the schedule the rest of the way. And record-wise, it incredibly favors the Suns, okay? But I'm not going to really be sold on that, and here's why, okay? Very strange beginning. Between now and March 2nd, all right? Between now and March 2nd, when I say beginning, I mean the beginning of the second half of the season. Um, Between now and March 2nd, they have five games, right? Five games. Three of them are against Houston. Yes, they play Houston three times in their next five games. So record-wise, that should be easy. One of the games is against the Lakers. Record-wise, that should be easy. But are you really willing to say the way Houston's playing a lot better and they're young and they're hungry, those aren't easy. I don't care what the Houston record is. And, of course, the Lakers are going to be in for a final push. Then they have Oklahoma City, Denver, a game against Toronto, who's average, Boston, Charlotte, who's easy, but then Milwaukee. Philly, who should be okay, you know, okay, but they won't have Embiid yet. Then Atlanta, and two games against the Spurs. Should be easy, but aren't you 0-2 against the Spurs already this year? So don't tell me it's easy. Then they go Denver, Oklahoma City, both games on the road. Rough. Then at New Orleans, rough. Then home against Cleveland, not easy. And then, listen to how they finish. Minnesota, New Orleans, Clippers at home. At Clippers, at Sacramento, at Minnesota on the road. That's beefy right there. There's So, it's funny when you talk about strength of schedule, they have enough games against lower teams like the Rockets and the Hornets that make people say, oh, they, they, they're, the strength of schedule isn't that rough. And then you see, oh my gosh, how many times they still have to play Denver, Oklahoma City, and Minnesota. And oh, by the way, they still have two games against Boston and two, ga- and a, uh, uh, two games against New Orleans left. It's... I don't care what the records are. I care the way that that's interspersed. And the way the Suns have been playing inconsistent, it doesn't look good. Um, How about how the NBA players promote their messaging and saying they're going to play hard through the All-Star game, KD? Yeah, I just feel like, I mean, it's always been that way in the NBA, I think. And um, since the social media era, you're going to probably see more and more of it from each team. But I think a lot of guys in the past as well stood up for things that they believed in, social issues in the league. And, um, and it's given us the you know, confidence to go out there and do that as well in this generation. So we're only doing what we've seen the greats do before us, and they set a great example when it comes to that. And uh, it's good that we have such a huge platform that this message can get out quick to anybody around the world. It's an interesting opinion because 
The NBA players put forth a lot of social messaging and really put together some some social messaging plans at All-Star Games. Because here are the headliners of basketball together in one place to be able to talk about these issues together. Well, I got news for you. Unless you guys start playing hard in an NBA game, All-Star Game, that format isn't going to be there. I mean, the ratings are continually going down because you refuse to play hard. Therefore, you're not going to have that platform soon. I mean, why should they put on the game anymore if you're not really going to compete? All right, uh, give me one more from KD on the All-Star Game format. I like the East and West. It's always, I like playing conference, first conference. And the traditional way is something I grew up on. Hopefully, we go back to playing in our own jerseys, too. You know, but... um, traditional way, the new, you know, the way, the, the picking teams, all that stuff, it don't matter. I mean, it's, it's all about the, the product on the court and celebrating the best players in the league at that moment. Okay, number one, the product on the court stinks. Number two, I totally agree about wearing your own jerseys. I, I think the guy should wear their own jerseys. And I've always thought that's dumb to have an all-star game jersey. And the reason why I say that is I, I want the world to see, here's my Phoenix Suns players. Here they are. And, and wear your own jerseys. And now, if you want to have a special Suns all-star jersey, maybe. Okay, show me what it looks like. But I want to see the Suns logo. I want my team to be represented at the All-Star game, not your All-Star jerseys. So I, I, I'm totally with them on that. Now, there's another major topic that happened during this All-Star game in which you had Kenny the Jet Smith and Reggie Miller in total disagreement about the way Ionescu versus Steph Curry went down. Steph Curry used an NBA basketball and shot from the NBA three-point line. Ionescu used a WNBA basketball, but shot from the NBA three-point line. Um, I, you talk about a silly argument. I, I just, I thought this was ridiculous. I, 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 the whole time they were arguing. I was praying America wouldn't turn on Kenny Smith. And of course, America turned on Kenny Smith. He was arguing she should use a a men's regulation basketball. And therefore, this isn't a fair competition because the smaller basketball has more room to slide into the rim. And there's, there's been some people that have debated that for years, that women should play on a different rim, that if you're going to let them have a smaller basketball in order to truly show their skill, then the rim circumference should be proportional to their basketball. Okay. I, I think we're wasting time. Do we really want to spend the money that every time, every hoop, you have a men's rim and a women's rim? And then when we play pickup, are we going to play on the women's rim or the men's rim? And if we want to treat men and women as equals, just put up the same rim. And I'm fine with a different size basketball. They're different size players. They have different size hands. There's nothing wrong to me because it's a different game and let them enjoy that. And if you enjoy that game, watch it. Just recently, I'm starting to enjoy women's basketball. I never used to. Starting to enjoy it now because it's, it's, it, it's got equal hype and I'm impressed with the shooting. Okay, I'll watch it. 
I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. It hasn't reached DVR stage for me yet. But, you know, I'll pay attention a little bit. But the argument that Kenny Smith is somehow horribly sexist because he pointed out the differences, that's ridiculous. Now, do I really agree with him? Not really. I don't think she should have used a men's ball. That's what she's used to shooting with. It was Ionescu that chose to shoot from the NBA three-point line. She chose that, not the NBA and not Steph Curry. She wanted to make it a little more even on the competition. And for those of you that don't realize, the WNBA three-point line is the exact same distance as the FIBA men's line. So when you're, if you ever watch European basketball to try to get a scoop on a potential player for the NBA draft, or you're watching Olympic basketball, their three-point line is the same as the WNBA line. So you can't say that's the women's line when men across the world, there's only one league whose three-point line is larger than the NBA's, excuse me, the WNBA's three-point line. And that's the men of the NBA. So if you're playing in Europe, you're shooting a WNBA three-pointer. So she chose what she wanted. Now, what would I do with that contest? I have no problem having it having a couple women in it. I, I'm not really into the Steph versus INSQ. I want to see Steph and Dame Lillard and Carl Anthony Towns in the men's tournament, in the real three-point contest. I don't want this extra sh- showdown contest. A lot of people say, oh, this is great for women's basketball because she looked so good. She did such a good job in the competition with Steph Curry. It elevates the profile of women's basketball. If you really want to elevate the profile, just have them go against them. Have women in the three-point contest. Why not? What's it going to hurt? What are, you, are, you, are you afraid you're going to lose to them? If you're a man that you're deciding, well, I don't want to play now because the women are in it. Really? Really? Come on. I think that would be an incredible way to hype up the women's game. And I only care about the fluidity of the shot. I only care about the, the excitement. I love the three-point contest. I'm done with the slam dunk contest. Ever since Aaron Gordon didn't win that one year when he was absolutely tremendous, I'm like, you know, I've seen it all now. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm totally done. Dunk, d- jumping over Shaq without putting your hand on him was pretty cool, but I don't care. Izzy, was there anything about Saturday that you liked or hated? Listen, nah. <laughs> I like the LED floor. I do like that. I do like the wow. floor. The floor was amazing. That floor was incredible. Um, I, I just don't want to see it in a real game. And and really, I, yeah, I don't. And here's why. I'm actually thinking of if 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 somebody knocks down Joker, I you can't get me to believe a glass floor can take that. The floor is glass. <laughs> That's glass. I mean, we're not talking like I realize it's probably a, the LED screens are kind of a, a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about. I just know it's glass. And I don't want to see Jokic being out for a for an extended period of time as they pull shards out of his knee. Yeah. And then what do we have to bring in a whole new court? Well, is there a wood court underneath it? How does that work? I just that to me seems uh, a no-go exhibitions 
okay, whatever, whatever. But I don't see how you do that for real. But I admit, I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, maybe they know, oh, no, this is how we make the glass. It's going to work. It would be fine. I just, you can't get me to believe a glass floor will always stand up to the rigors of an NBA game. Whoa. Well, even okay, so even outside the LED floors, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to call you old here. Oh yeah, yeah. You seen a, you seen a crazy amount of dunk contests. Are you a fan of Matt McClung by chance? I mean, I think he's a good dunker, but I don't get excited about him. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. All yeah, right. I mean, it's he doesn't, he doesn't thrill me. Um, I did love. And I realized I was being, I don't know if there's, you know, in our society being politically correct, I don't know if there's an ism for short people that somehow I'm, you know, I'm anti-short people, but I did love Spud Webb. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, I thought that was incredible when he won the slam dunk contest. And let's face it, the only reason why he won is because he was short. Right. It was so crazy to see those hops and those dunks. And that honestly was the first time I remember to me, and somebody would have to go back and look it up for me. He was the first player I remember throwing the alley-oop bounce pass to himself. I don't, I don't remember that ever happening before. And so his dunks were just, oh, like that because of his height. But there were some other great dunks that don't get any attention because whoever did it was taller. And they didn't get the attention that they did. But back in the day, when that thing was Dominique versus Michael, holy crap, was that absolutely incredible. And I remember thinking the slam dunk contest was dead until a couple of the Aaron Gordon slam dunk contests, which I just thought that I thought that brought it all back. And now I'm just kind of like, all right, how many times can somebody put a Jersey on somebody jump over somebody and, and go crazy. Like the Mac, the, 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 the dunk that Mac did in which he grabbed the ball, let go of it, caught it and dunked it. Yeah. I got to tell you, I have my best dunk I ever did was on a rim that was about nine foot seven. Okay, it was it was like it was like falling down a little bit. I admit the feeling of dunking to the extent that you can dunk. And I hope that makes sense. Okay, and when I say the extent you like the best I was ever, ever able to do is I was able to dunk a softball was the biggest ball I was ever able to dunk. And uh, and then but dunking on a nine seven rim, I mean, it was full on right hand hammer and and it felt like a dunk to me. That was incredible. I mean, that was just, it was exhilarating beyond belief. So this is the extent of my dunk knowledge. I wanted to give you the frame of reference if I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's hard for me to understand how hard it is to go whoop, whoop, and then dunk. Because Kenny Smith went crazy. He goes, that's incredible. That's incredible. Wow. wow. And he was going nuts on that dunk. And I was like, okay, I guess. I, I went a little crazy for it, to be honest. Did you? Was, yeah. Okay, okay. Because it's the fact that he pretty much had to release the ball and still had to grab it and go behind the back with it yeah. while jumping over somebody. Yeah. I thought it was just, that's crazy. Okay, okay. I admit, I was like, that's one of those things. Since I don't know what life is like up there, I wasn't <laughs> as impressed watching somebody up there doing that. But admittedly, nobody else has ever done it. So uh, that was cool. Yeah, I was kind of bored with the uh, with the dunk contest. And I that's actually where I do feel old because I feel like I've already seen Michael and Dominique. I've already seen some of the most uh, Spud Webb. I've already seen some of the most incredible dunks ever. The one year Anthony Carter uh, in um, 
in Toronto was was crazy. Um, some of the dunks that I've seen, it's like, okay, you've got to do something incredible for me to get excited now. And hardly anybody's doing anything incredible. And then Aaron Gordon to be like, wow, okay, all of that's amazing. And then he didn't even win. Like, what is that? Yeah, no, it, it was it was tough. And even watching, I'm I, I'm in full agreement with you on the dunk contest. But uh, Mac McClung, when I was in high school, like he was the next big thing. Like yeah. he was all over YouTube. He was pretty much he had all the highlights. And I mean, quite frankly, we. You, you kind of think he was, you kind of thought he was going to be somebody at the yeah. time. But I mean, seeing him going to the dunk contest, and you got to bring in more G Leaguers, I think. You got to bring in more guys, or just bring in guys from down the street, just guys from the street. <laughs> yes. Because they, they, they put in 110% effort. You know, it's funny is that I, what I respected about it is that the fact that he was actually wearing his G League jersey. Yeah. While he was doing it. <laughs> they didn't like, hey, we're going to call you up, give you a promoted jersey. Let me give you a real Orlando Magic jersey for the day before you come up here. He's actually wearing his G League thing. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty good. And if I'm a, if I'm the NBA, don't I want the G League guys to get some attention? Right. Um, the other one would be if I'm Adam Silver, I'm calling it Carl Anthony Towns. If you want to dunk that much, we have something here for you to do. Become the first ever three-point and dunk contest winner in the same one. Cat was dunking left and right last night. Yep. Okay. Come on over. Let's do it. And another one, I don't think Booker would ever win. I don't think he's got the hops to win. But if Booker cares about showing off that he can dunk, you want attention. No one is going to expect you to win a dunk contest, Book. That's facts. That's facts. No one would. I mean, you talk about that an eye opener. Do I think he'd win? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, I don't, and maybe that's why he doesn't. But wow, if you want the attention to shock the world, well, Jalen Brown shouldn't even have gotten that far. He had yeah, but his dunks were the worst. Yeah, that, yeah. that D Brown. We tried to do pretty much D Brown's. That was awful. It was awful. Yeah. Oh yeah, because the famous D Brown was was like right from the beginning. It was like I'm gonna dunk, and now I'm gonna duck my head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wait. It was ugly. That's not the point. That's not the point. Uh, Let's get into Suns themselves, current Suns, and then an interesting little tidbit of – do I have time for this? Yeah, I got a a quick second here. Um, Give me, uh, if you would, Matt Ishby a one of the latest on the TV situation and splitting from Bally's. Well, so I, I got all love from the fans, right? Because they used to have to pay. So the way the NBA works is you, you give your media rights, you pay, and they pay you. Bally's or Diamond Sports pays you 30, 35, a lot of money. And then they, they sell it to the fans. And then, like I said, we're done with it. Give it to the fans for free. They should not be able to watch the game. It's their team. It's not my team. So we gave it to them all for free. No money coming our way on that. We, we split the advertising. So we make some of the money back. But it's a, it's the right thing to do. Like, it, like, it's not my team. It's their team. And like I, I've run my business my whole life is money follows success. Go do the right thing. Do the successful thing. Put a winning product out there. We'll make money down the road. And so it's been great. And the fans love it. And I think more NBA teams will follow it as well. Um, I think Ryan Smith, who I was on your show recently, he, he just did the same thing. And like- you'll see. This is going to be a new trend. No more of this pay to play, pay to watch. Like, just put the games on TV and let's watch them. Yeah. What a shot over the bow of both Robert Sarver and a lot of our owners here. I think you've got to spend money first and then the success will follow and then the money comes after that. That's the Jerry Colangelo theory. And all the owners in this city have always fought against Jerry Colangelo, and yet he's the most successful owner in town. What a wake-up call to Michael Bidwell that one is. And then the last one uh, um, I want to get to today is Matt Ishbia saying this. Isn't this facts? If I, if I ask you this question, hey, how much are you paying in luxury tax? 
It's not about money. Nobody cares about the owner. Like someone's like, oh, your luxury tax bill went up. I'm like, no, no fan cares how much I pay in luxury tax. They care if we win. And my job is to do what they want, and it's not to try about how much money I make or how much money. Like, let's just go talk about winning. <laughs> Where has that been? Hello. Man, does that punch you in the face. That is strong. Can you actually cheer for an owner? That's kind of what I I feel like doing. Um, Izzy, I've run out of time for Bridges. Are you airing that on Izzy on Sports today? I did it yesterday. Oh, did you? Oh, that was smart of you. Um, You mean Friday? Yes, Friday, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Izzy sent me this on Friday uh, over the weekend and how cool this was of Mikael Bridges admitting that when they were up 2-0 in the uh, NBA Finals, that you know, they kind of took it easy. They just kind of figured, hey, this is the East, the West was the gauntlet, and kind of lowered their guard just a little bit. Mikael Bridges is honest to the point where you're like, eesh, Mikael, hey, hey. Uh, All right, coming up next. I got something that I I can't wait to hear what Steve McCollum thinks about this. Is this great trash talk? Is it hilarious? Or is it just plain stupid? Why poke the bear? One of our teams has poked the bear. Does it excite you or piss you off? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Number one, one small thing that I didn't get to, I like the signing of of Randall Gritchick. It's weird if you ever look at the pronunciation. His name ends with UK, but he pronounces it Gritchick. So you don't say Gritchick if you didn't know that. One year, $2 million deal. The reason why I like it is because it's only a one year, $2 million deal. I don't want in any way to act like this guy is the savior, but the last three years against left-handed pitching, he's slashing almost 300, 328, 554. That's your batting average, then your on-base percentage, and then your slugging percentage. So that those are great numbers. They're one-sided. It's only against uh, left-handed pitching, but if you're going to have Jock Peterson as your lefty DH, why not have Gritchick in but he had bone spurs taken out and that's what I had done and man that's not something you just bounce back from and he says no I'll be ready to go by the uh, by the end of spring training all right I'm jealous uh I want to bring in Steve McCollum for this opinion I want to know what Steve McCollum has to say about this the main events coming up from 8 to 10 right here on WTSMTV.com I know that you saw it over the weekend even though we haven't talked about it but for those of you that didn't the promotional calendar came out for the Arizona Diamondbacks so you get this cup on this day you get this on this day blah 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 they're waiting until August all the way until August to separate to celebrate with fans on ring night. Now the players will get their rings early, but the National League Championship ring for fans, the first 20,000 fans will get to be able to have their own on August 10th. The opponent, the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm. Now, 
I before I give my opinion, what is yours? Uh, it's a it's a it's a joke to make him wait that long. Uh, I'm fine with the trolling aspect of it because it's kind of funny. Uh, but August, it, it it's gonna be done by that, especially if they're 30 games out of first, uh, out of the playoffs, right, or 20 games out of the playoffs. It's gonna look even worse. Mm-hmm. It's gonna it's got a potential to look terrible. Yeah. If I am, if the Phillies were, if they were playing the Phillies in August yeah. or in April, yeah, I get it. I, I I would suck it up. I would still say, guys, can you just do it a different day? But you're clearly trolling. But fine, it's yeah. April, whatever. When you're waiting all the way till August, not only for the point that you made, yeah. but that's clearly let's stick it to the Phillies. Yeah. And I don't. There's nothing here. I don't believe there's some new Phillies Diamondbacks rivalry yeah. that's been generated. Yeah, so why poke the bear? Yeah, Phillies don't care about the Diamondbacks. They're going to be better than the Diamondbacks this year again, right? Playoffs aside in terms of regular season, Phillies don't care. So it's it's typical Arizona and their uh, how to phrase that like the the younger sibling syndrome, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, people pay attention to us. Oh, we're so cool. Yeah. And you're not. And and that goes back to another reason of let's imagine you're in a scenario where the Phillies, I don't know what the National League East is going to be like but let's say the Phillies and Braves are nip and tuck for the one mm-hmm. seed, and then the loser is obviously the team that's right there to be the best wild card. And I could easily see, come August, that the Diamondbacks are in the exact same position like they were this year, mm-hmm. where they're fighting to get into the playoffs. So you would have had a game where maybe the Phil or a series where maybe the Phillies don't take you as seriously. Yeah. And now you've just awoken their, I don't know if that's a word, awakened their actual feelings of, oh, this is how you're going to troll us. Okay. And then bring it. Yeah. Come August, you think the Phillies uh, in a normal series would be like, you know what? This is the team that beat us in the NLCS last year. They came back down 002 and, yeah. and came back and beat us. You think they're even thinking that in August? No, because that's basically they're gearing up for playoff time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're just giving them a reason to do it. it. I like the troll job. And overall, it's just the timing of it's just absolutely ridiculous, absolutely stupid. And quite frankly, that's the. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks way so <laughs> they I mean you can't deny this is the this is the, they, they do think this is funny I yeah, don't yeah, I don't yeah. why even why even uh, it? it's just it's just gonna be awful when they're down they're out of the wild card by 10 games it's been a disappointing season I hope it doesn't happen right but it's gonna be even an uglier look at that point on top of them talking about saving arms for playoffs uh, that they've been talking about so far and their new signing I agree with you it's a great signing but when are we gonna see him they're like oh he might be available for opening day yeah but it seems like I'm a little worried the Diamondbacks are taking this uh, plaque of, oh, we need more we need more health at the end of the season in the playoffs than we do at the beginning of the season. Well, although that sounds great, Diamondbacks have a history of not going to the playoffs two years in a row. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Why did they make the playoffs last year? They started off the season on fire. Yes. So they, they carried that through their swoon when a lot of people, yeah. and myself included, I need, to, I need to take blame for this, that, that stood up and said, this team is dead yeah. the way that they're playing, and I didn't see them flipping the switch. Yeah. So now you have the theory, let's make sure we ramp up and get healthy for the postseason. That's the kind of feelings 
that you will have when you're not going to the postseason. Yes. Because I don't see them in any way competing for the division no. championship. And it's a wide open wild card race. It's going to be very competitive. Yeah. And, and so the way is to not, well, let's make sure we pull Zach Allen in the fifth inning of a game because we've got bigger things to worry about. Yeah. And then having the bullpen blow it. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even just the whole uh, we're not going to have pitch our guys in spring training because uh, we don't we don't want to put less spring training's for stretching out and getting in position to yes. go five, six, seven innings during the regular season. And they're not even going to do that with their guys to save on them. It's it's a worrisome start for the Diamondbacks. I totally agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to get out to plenty of spring training so I can uh, talk to uh, Tori Lovello about it. I don't think I'm going to change his well, mind. It ain't, but... it ain't Lovello's decision, I'll tell you that right <laughs> That's now. That's probably true, too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What's coming up on the main event? Well, first, uh, before you say that, yeah. what would you do this weekend? Uh, just uh, hung out with the family and everything. Renaissance Festival yesterday. Oh, that's right. That's you just, said you were doing that. How was that? That's just a hot, miserable experience. It's just... <laughs> I, I get it, man. Like, you know, the workers there are doing the best they can. But, God, they just rub you the wrong way. Not not because they're, you know, attitude-y. Like, because some people are going to come back and be like, you know, that's the role they're supposed to be. No, it's just like they're just missing something in the head. Okay. Uh, and it's just frustrating dealing with them. Uh, it's just weird. But it was a fun time. I recommend you go after all that. <laughs> That's the greatest. That's the greatest endorsement I've ever heard. They're all just missing something in pack, the head. Pack it was patience. miserable, but you should go. Yeah, just pack your patience with the workers. It's okay. Just, uh, yeah. All right. Whatever. All right. Now it's coming up on the main event. <laughs> uh, we're gonna make. Uh, well, you know, what? we're gonna dive into this NBA All Star Weekend. Uh, let's be honest about it. I'm just gonna make fun of it the whole time. Yeah. It, uh, it is an absolute joke. And then the one thing they did right: the three point contest with Steph and Sabrina. And even then. They screw it up because uh, of the sexist uh, announcers that were on that. Uh, it is just amazing what a farce the NBA has made this weekend. And quite frankly, I'm going to make fun of it in my way I can. That, that, that is why we watch the main event. Have a good show. All right, I have to admit, the worst thing possible happened. It versus Vegas on Friday. Not only has the losing continued, where am I at right now? 0-4-7 now. 0-7 in my last seven picks. But I I didn't even play the game that I lost. I told you specifically on Friday, I'm not going for blood money. I'm not rooting against my favorite team. But we never win. My Ohio Bobcats never win in Savage Hall. And the truth, they told us that I think that that Ohio has won at Savage Hall in Toledo three times this century, okay? So you know why I said what I said. We're going to lose. We always lose there. And it was Toledo minus six. Rockets had to cover six. Ohio jumped out and got a 12-point lead in the first 10 minutes of the game. That felt good. Then they blow it, but they don't blow it so big that it helps anybody that believe me. So we all lost. Toledo won 85-83. So not only does my team lose, but I got the pick law. Uh, I, I uh, lost the game, and then all of you that believed me that Toledo would cover, you lost money too. I kind of owe you a beer on that one. I'm not really paying for it because I told you. 
I'm not ro- I'm rooting for you to be wrong, and you were wrong. <laughs> Even though it was on my advice. So that's an O for one uh, yesterday, or excuse me, on Friday. Coming up today, I'm going for blood money again because it's too easy, and this one I will actually play. I, I don't see how we're not successful on this one, okay? The NHL has stuck it to the Coyotes completely. Three games in four days. A back-to-back last night and today. And they have a day game after a trip from Colorado. So they had a face-off at 4 o'clock against Colorado. Hard-fought 4-3 to three game. Typical fashion, Andre Turney is happy with his guys. Felt like everything went great. I don't know why. Then, if you haven't been to Denver, you drive for an hour to get to the airport. Then you finally fly back to Phoenix. And then, less than 20 hours later, they're playing a day game at home against Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Get real. So the juice on this game is plus 135 if you take the Oilers to win by two. So if the Oilers win, I'm going to take Edmonton on the puck line, minus one and a half against the Coyotes. I am going, think about these odds. I'm betting against the team that has a nine-game losing streak. I'm betting against the team that's played three games in four days. I'm betting against the team that's on the back end of a back-to-back coming from Colorado. And I get positive juice for doing it as long as Edmonton is able to cover. Now, for those of you that aren't gamblers, I say positive juice. Here's what that means simply. It's going to be really easy to pick the Oilers to win the game. However, since... um, Vegas knows that it's easy to just simply pick the uh, the Oilers to win the game. They do it a little differently. They don't give you what's called even money. So, you know, you go up to the blackjack uh, and you put $10 on black. It hits black. You get $10 back. That's not the way this works. If you bet on Edmonton to win, you have to give them $270. And if they win, they'll give you 100 That's not very good. But if you take Edmonton to win on the puck line, now that means they have to win by two, but there's only an $8 juice. You pay $108, they give you $100. That's that's good juice. Last night, it was plus $135. I'm going with the plus $135 because that's what it was last night. It's not my fault that nobody in Vegas realized, wait a minute, they're coming back from Colorado. Are you sure about this? So I'm taking that one. We'll get it. And then the other game, I'm doubling down. If I like Edmonton doing well and being able to cover, why not take the over six and a half goals? Especially with the way Vimelka's been playing lately. So, And Vimelka might not even start because it's the back end of a back-to-back. And then, I can't even remember the kid's name, Connor Ingram's hurt. So then they'll be going with the backup to the backup. We're, we're good here. So I, I hate to go against the Coyotes, but that's the NHL's fault. And the Coyotes, you're the ones that have chosen to lose nine straight and play hard in about three of the nine. So I'm making money off you guys today. So Edmonton minus the one and a half and Coyotes and Edmonton going over the six and a half are the two games that uh, that I like today. In uh, And I didn't like any of the uh, NCAA games. I love to watch one of them. Uh, Houston is playing Iowa State. And you might be laughing at this. Iowa State is is barely a top 15 team in the country, and yet they're in first place in the Big 12. The Big 12 is so loaded that Kansas, who's considered top six in the country, is a top four seed right now in the, in the Big 12 tournament. 
They're only the fourth seed in the Big 12 tournament. They're barely holding on to a first-round bye in the Big 12 tournament. Yet the AP says, that's a top-five team, top-six team right there. Kind of funny. Like, well, wait, shouldn't you be top-six in your own conference before you're top-six in the country? That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Have a great President's Day holiday. Hopefully you enjoy the fact that Izzy, Steve, and I, and Dale Hellestray, and uh, Jeff Weir Production, all of us working for extra credit today to give you sports programming so we can look at that incredibly competitive, hard-fought NBA All-Star game that Steve McCollum can't wait to talk to you about and go breakdown, breakdown, breakdown into the strategic decisions that were made by the coaching staffs. I think somebody should be fired from the coaching staffs because they did so poorly, giving up 200 points. <laughs> Maybe not. Unplugthewhirlwind.com to sign yourself up for February. We did really well over the weekend with signups, but we still have some spots a little bit past 1 o'clock. Please go to unplugthewhirlwind.com, click on the events tab to get yourself signed up, and then right afterwards we'll have happy hour at Trophy in Chandler, so if you're not able to go to the golf outing, please stop by Trophy afterwards and get a beer with us, have dinner with us, bring the family, just bring yourself, stop by for one beer on your way home from work or get yourself a driver and stop by for a long time whatever, or go home, get the family, come back, whatever you're doing, I'll be there from about 5 o'clock to 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock. I really have no idea how long I'll be there. It just depends on whether or not I can talk one of my daughters into coming <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the determining factor of how long that uh, that I'm at Trophy. So I'd love to see you out there again. It's unplugged at whirlwind.com. Thanks a lot to Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, the proud sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged, and they were one of the first two people to ever call me after the old show blew up, so you know why I have so much loyalty to them. You can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, the Bell's Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. That's at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. It's on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. Best breakfast burrito you've ever had is Burrito Express. They've got seven locations all across the east side, so please support them or go to Rosati Sports Bar or Trophy Sports Bar, two places that are great sports bars in Chandler, and I will see you tomorrow. The main event is up next. Have a great day.